For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings so we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 240 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhardt. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And this week, we are in a weird sort of limbo Star Wars period. As of recording this, we're a mere handful of hours from the return of the Clone Wars. That's going to be starting back this week. Toy Fair is this weekend, sure to be filled with all kinds of wondrous Star Wars merchandise news. The big Project Luminous Day reveal is on Monday. So, yeah, we're basically recording right before all the big shit drops. Well, big holding shit. pattern before all the big news. Relative big shit. You know, it's not like we're like, oh, we caught a new movie trailer. Who knows when that's going to happen? Uh, but, you know. Did some uh, looking around and some scraping together. We got a little Star Wars to talk about. And a lot to hear from you guys about. Damn, you guys filled up the uh, the, the old Blue Harvest mailbox in the course of a week. Uh, will, will you, uh, will you uh, humor me, I guess is the word I'm looking for, while okay. I introduce a quick new segment to the show. So, you know, we're pushing towards 200 reviews on iTunes. We are. Right now we're at 182. So we've gone up. Um, shit. That means since we recorded last, we've gotten like five reviews or something. So thank you guys. Ooh, that's pretty good. I want to take a quick moment and uh, acknowledge and read out our newest reviews. Um, first, we've got one from Buck. Four 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 five six three seven seven. He says, Halls, H-A-L-L-S, or Halls, whatever it is, and Phil hit the right mix of relaxed, funny, and original with their weekly thoughts on the wars upstairs. One of the only can't-miss podcasts I've found for any subject slash genre. I even tolerate the gaming nonsense. Shoe harvest, baby. Woo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our buddy, I posted that on her Twitter, and our, I believe is our buddy 
Rick Villanueva, who said, was that written by a YouTube subtitle algorithm? Uh, next up, we got our buddy Richard Howard. Two buddies, Howard, Richard Howard. Two buddies with great podcasting chemistry, rapping about Star Wars and countless other cool subjects. Keep on keeping on, Halls and Will. Thanks, Richard. If there's one thing I'm good at, it's keeping on and then perhaps keeping keepin on. on a little more. <clears throat> Next up, we got uh, TRD Angler. He said, hey, I really like this. You probably will too. Short and sweet. Like it. And then following up, we have R. Russo, a 92. Halls and Will are great, funny hosts who take on a take us on a spectacular journey through the latest Star Wars news and sometimes a wonderful, crazy tangent that makes you laugh out loud when sitting in traffic. Trust me, try it out. You won't be disappointed. So thanks, guys. That, that's really nice. We're getting so close to 200 reviews. I thought maybe reading out... You know, it, maybe I should rethink these things because if there's one thing our, our listeners should know after 240 episodes, I'm not a strong reader. Not the guy you call on in class to read a big uh, paragraph. I, I think you take that too hard. I think you're, you're a very good reader. Because <laughs> I'll be fumbling. Anyways, uh, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. And you can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube page or channel. YouTube channel. That's what the kids call them. YouTube channel that you can check out. There'll be a link in the show notes or you can just search for Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast. Might have been doing a little memery over there. Might have been some up to excellent some, stuff in the works at the moment. Might have been up to some meme shenanigans. So check that out. Subscribe, like. Um, uh, what? You know, all the YouTube stuff. We also have a Patreon where this week we have posted two bonus shows: the latest episode of Cooking with Will. Cha-cha-cha. A Night at the Grill, if you will. Uh, and the latest episode of Star Wars Year Pie podcast with our good buddy Steel Saunders. It's a long one. It's a good one. Tangents were had. Uh, so check those out. Uh, if you want to support us for as little as $3 a month, you'll get access to our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed where we post all kinds of cool bonus shows like the two I just mentioned, Blue Harvest Adventures, Masters of Harvest Kasi, Podula Rasa, Jaws, Oh No, It's Hall Solo. It goes on and on. And I know I always keep saying it, but I'm, I'm going to personally call out someone here, right? One Mr. Jeremy Space Allen, because we all know his middle name is Space. Mm -hmm. We've had artwork ready for a bonus show with me and Jeremy called Spaced Out with the Barbarian. Wonderful artwork. It's so funny. It's so great. Evan DeChellis. Masterwork. But I, th I guess I'm going to have to like get me and him in a group on PUBG and record that. What are you doing, Jeremy? Come on over. and oh, You He's pick the topics. Man. He's a busy man. He's got chicken dinners to make. If you put a chicken dinner and a tall boy under a box, you may be able to lure him in. And then pull the string and then catch him in the box. Yeah. And, then, and then record with him. After. No, what you got to do, th this is the trap you set to catch a Jeremy the Space Barbarian. Um, 
You put, like you said, you go, you put a, a chicken dinner from uh, PUBG in there. You put a po- uh, a nice taco from his favorite taco stand. Ooh, he does like those. You put uh, a cold boy, a tall boy, cold cold beer, cold burr right there. Uh, uh, cold Coors Light. You put uh, a Black Series figure that he's really been looking for, and some s- fucking slow sludgy Doom riffs. And the next thing you know. Snap, you caught a space barbarian. That space barbarian would come in from orbit hot to that to that trap. Talking about, hey, buddy. So at some point, you can look forward to the debut of that new show and whatever else we think up in the meantime. Um, Give me one second, Will. I'm getting a call from my dad. All right, where were we? Oh, we were talking about Patreon. Uh, did I give the URL? Fuck if I know, patreon.com slash blue harvest podcast. Um, what comes after that? I think that's about it. How you been this week, buddy? I can't complain. It's been wet here. Dude. Rainy. I am. I feel like we've been a bit of like a, a southeastern weather channel the last couple episodes. Yeah. But damn, the weather has sucked here lately. Dude, I cannot even begin to describe how soggy my yard is. Yeah, yeah. And then, so, you know, I had a a long weekend last weekend because of President's Day. And when I have, when you know, there's one of these, like, uh, you know, whatever, like a bank holiday. You know, I get those off with my job. And they always kind of screw me up a little just because that puts me behind the ball for the rest of the week. I have to make that work up. Even though I'm not there on Monday, I still have to do all that work. Now I just have to do it in, uh, you know, cram it into the rest of the days, right? Well, now on top of that, Tuesday when I get up to drive around all day for work, it is a monsoon-like activity. Yeah. When I got home that evening, I looked like I had just got out of the pool, fully dressed. Like, jumped into the pool, fully clothed with my shoes. It was miserable. And then I've just had work anxiety the rest of the week. So, considering Thursday is technically the end of my week and Friday is the first day of the next week, I'm in pretty good mood right now. Yeah. So, we mentioned that uh, we're kind of missing the big stuff. The really... Um, you know, Clone Wars, Toy Fair, and uh, Project Luminous. We'll be talking about all those next week, so look forward to that. But until then, we did have a, a few little topics I wanted to talk about. Well, do you remember me bringing it up, I don't know, maybe about a month ago, that they announced that there was going to be a Star Wars night at Disneyland during Celebration? I think I do remember that. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, and at the time, it was a, a concept that I was really into. I was like, man, I really would like to do that if we can get tickets. Because I am dying to go to Galaxy's Edge. I want to go so badly. And, you know, we're going to be in California. We're going to be in Anaheim in August for celebration. And Disneyland's right there. But on the other hand, like... Th- also get this anxiety of, well, it's going to be during celebration, so Galaxy's Edge is going to be 
bananas. Oh, yeah. It's going to be, yeah. So, you know, I was kind of weighing this, and I thought to myself, well, if this whole Diz Star Wars Nights thing is sort of a limited ticket event, maybe it won't be as packed. And it sounds cool. You're in the park after dark, and you're hanging out. Well, this week, tickets went on sale, and Jesse and I did not get them. And it wasn't because we were just like, oh, we tried and we missed out. It was because we got a piece of news that made it a firm no for us personally. Um, they announced this week that both of the rides would not be operational. Only the Falcon ride would be running for Star Wars night at Disneyland. No Rise of the Resistance. So uh, Interesting. Yeah, and apparently it's a maintenance thing. They do maintenance on that ride overnight, so they didn't or they couldn't or didn't want to have it running, um, you know, while the Star Wars night thing's going on. But, man, yeah. hearing that, I was like, well, I guess that's one less hard-to-get ticket I'm going to be scrambling for in a couple of days. And this, I, I would like to make it very clear that if you're still excited for Dar Star Wars night at Disneyland and you got tickets and you're all stoked, awesome. I'm so happy for you lest there be subtweets, I am not taking anything away from anybody else that is excited and is going and is going to have a good time. The thing for Jesse and I is if we're going to Galaxy's Edge, we'd like to try to ride both rides. Right, both this, operational rides. Because there's no way we would go to Disney twice during Celebration, right? I mean, because you, <laughs> you would be sacrificing Celebration Day. Right, right, and... Yeah, exactly. And uh, plus, who can blow that much money on Celebration and going to Disney twice? Not me. So it just Apparently made it... America has more billionaires than any other country now. So somebody's enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, look, I like I said, like I preface this with, I am so ready to go to Galaxy's Edge. I want to check it out so bad, but... I also have limited opportunities to go to Galaxy's Edge. If I go to Galaxy's Edge when we're in California, that's probably going to be my one trip to Galaxy's Edge for a good while. Right. So I would rather wait and go to Disney and get the full Galaxy's Edge experience than go and only get one half of the ride. Because the other events, while I'm sure they're, they're right up other people's alleys, like a Star Wars dance night, well, does that... That don't sound like my bag, right? I don't dance. Dancing is forbidden. I came from that town in Footloose. Dancing is forbidden. I was about to say, I, it's Master Shake. The mm -hmm. thing ringing in my brain is Master Shake saying, dancing is forbidden. That's exactly what I was referencing. Um, But yeah, so that was that was kind of the nail in the coffin for Star Wars Nights for me personally. And and Jesse seemed to line up with those thoughts too. You know what? I think if you get enough alcohol in you, you might just be able to bust some wicked chair moves. You know, like rocking back on your back two wheels and then spinning around and like. Yeah, I don't know, man. You know, like uh, I don't do like, like the bunny hop or the sidewalks walk in your chair. I don't like uh, making a fool of myself in public as much as maybe I used to in my younger days. 
Oh, boy, you used to. Oh, boy, did I used to. <laughs> oh, boy. You remember going to the Hunt Club? Oh, my God. Tell them about yes. the Hunt Club, Will. Oh, there's this one time that stands out in my mind where I we were hammered, and we decided that we wanted to sing karaoke Tenacious D, and then we did. I don't remember and, this at all. I have You don't remember this? I don't have a single memory of that. That tells you how fucking blottoed I was. We sang the greatest song in the world by Tenacious D. And then you ended up making out with some wildebeests before we left. And uh, you were like debating on them taking you home. And I was like, no, 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 no. No, you can't really see straight. You need to bring it on, bring it on home. Let me just take down a quick... That happened at 15 minutes 40. I'm just making notes to cut this out. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, I do remember that. I also remember uh, I had to ride home in the bed of our buddy Jeff's truck because he was afraid I was going to throw up everywhere. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And that was uh, the Hunt Club. You th- is that place still around? It's got to be, right? I was in. I was actually in Starkville last week, and oh, it really? is not. It's yeah. gone. It is gone. Did something it take its gone. place? Something has. I can't remember exactly what. Mm. Uh, but I think it's like right next to a gym. In that same in center, like there's a gym back there now, and then there's something next door to it. I just remember, if I had to guess, given my my lack of solid memory of that night, given my own personal style at that time, I was probably wearing a flame-colored or a flame-printed bowling shirt. Maybe. A bowling shirt that Jesse found early on in us dating. Probably had a couple skulls on it. And was like, do you wear this often? And I was like, no, I don't wear that anymore. No, I never wear that in my life. No, that's, that's a gift. gift. <laughs> I, like, no, I got that for a Halloween costume. <laughs> well, just let me go over to my Facebook page and delete some pictures. Delete, delete, delete. Um, so while we're not going to be able to cover Toy Fair in its for- full splendor, until next week, we may have a mini little segment of Steve Cobra's favorite segment. Whoop. Because they have put out, um, I don't know what you'd call it, like a little bit of a, a product announcement or something. Leading it's like into- a merch teaser or like a merch. Yeah. And they even say in the article that this is just a small sampling of what they're going to be revealing revealing at Toy Fair. Uh, to me, the star of what they show off is the animatronic Baby baby Yoda. It's the thing that starts off the StarWars.com article. And you can't tell from this picture, but that thing in action, it moves its little ears, it tilts its head around, it does the magic hand thing. Bro, I'm in. Animatronic Baby Yoda... You know I got to be torturing the cats with that. I had a much less technologically advanced version of that as Yoda when I was in high school. And you could squeeze his hand and he would say, you know, force things like a magic eight ball or whatever. Yeah. And he would move around and move his arms and stuff. Nice. Um, yeah, it, it, this stuff that they revealed, very Baby Yoda and Clone Wars heavy, if you noticed and. Yeah, I did. A lot. Yeah. This seems to be the big push of Baby Yoda merchandise that I assumed 
you know, they should have had ready for the launch. But I, I know in, in hindsight that if they had, you know, the, the cat would have been out of the bag. Cat would have been out of the bag. It wouldn't have been a secret or anything like that during the Mandalorian. So I understand why they didn't. Yeah, and I'm still expecting all this Baby Yoda merch to probably sell pretty well. Oh, the backpack looks neat. Yeah, the Baby that was Yoda backpack. Looks you know, awesome. uh, Jesse, she likes that brand. Um, she likes Loungefly stuff. She's always checking it out. Um, so, it's in Barnes and Noble here in town, and it's good stuff. Like those little backpacks are cute. Um, they always have some, and I, you know what? I think they are, I may be wrong about this, but I think they're either owned by or in some way affiliated with Funko because their celebration exclusives are always at the Funko booth. I feel like that would make sense. Um, the other thing that they showed off today was, uh, a new line of action figures, um, called Star Wars Mission Fleet. So, you know, I was bemoaning sort of the death of the classic not vintage collection 3.75 line, you know, mm-hmm. the the you know, the typical uh, your usual scale Star Wars figures. I was really wishing that they had finished out at least doing Rise of Skywalker with those so I could have had sequel trilogy figures all in one uniform style, right? Right. Um, well, this is not that. This is a smaller line of figures. I believe they said these are two and a half inches, the figures, but they're all based around being paired with a vehicle. And I got to say, I think these things are neat. Interesting. Um, so the one one that's probably going to end up being pretty popular that they showed off is the Mandalorian on a speeder bike. It comes with the baby Yoda and his little f- floaty pod. There's an Anakin in his starship, uh, or his Jedi starfighter, a Luke in his X-wing. Um, they've got a Boba Fett with a fucking funky looking jetpack of some sort. We've got a lot of uh, looks like you know they're they're bringing out some big hitters for the initial release. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'm curious if all of this Baby Yoda merchandise is going to spoil the name reveal before the show does. I don't think so, because I'm actually starting to see some Baby Yoda stuff out in the wild now. Um, Nothing, you know, no figures or anything like that, but shirts and stickers and things like that. And it's all labeled as the child. Yeah, like the child is what I usually see. But I was, you know, because on those official kind of things, you know, if you're selling a toy that's, you know, the Mandalorian on a speeder bike and the child... You know, you would think they would put his... If they're going to reveal his name, they would put his name there. But it may be smarter to just call him the child until they do that, and then they can start printing new stuff. Honestly, I mean, given the the approach they took to Baby Yoda in general, that's probably exactly what they'll do. Which will make the child box for the collectors incredibly exclusive. Right, because then they'll just print out... You know, they'll just print up new boxes and put the same product in it, and then you'll be like, well, i got to get one that says the child and one that says... Yoju, if you will, or whatever he ends up being called. Um, also revealed in this, a role-play Darksaber. I was so excited when I was reading about this stuff before I saw images, because I was like, oh, is that going to be a Force FX Darksaber? Because you know I would have gotten that. 
Yeah, right. Um, seeing what it is, it's it's more in line with like the toy lightsabers you see in your typical toy aisle. Um, nothing against that, but not really my thing. I mean, the inner, my inner nine year old was like sweet. Yes. Freaking oh, sweet. If that was out when I was a kid, oh, yeah, it's over. Christmas list, birthday list, that thing's showing up on it. My regular self is like, oh, that's cool. Kids mm. are gonna dig it. But my inner nine year old is like, gotta get it, need it, sweet. No, man, I gotta, I gotta put my nose up at something Star Wars and be like, ta ta with your child toy. I need a replica. Um, <laughs> Baby Yoda operation, which turned out to be way less morbid than the name, yeah, right, would, would imply. Um. A couple new additions to the Galaxy of Adventures line. Uh, they've got a Ahsoka from the Clone Wars and uh, a Clone Trooper. Uh, and then the one that's hurting for space, but I probably need it. Well, I would probably like to... I probably need it, let's be honest. The Lego Star Wars Razor Crest. Oh, yeah. And they even did a, a neat little uh, pattering, patterning. They did a pattern on it that makes it look pretty shiny too. Um, and according to the picture, at least, it looks like it's going to come with a grief, a Mando, a Baby Yoda, a Scout Trooper, and an IG Eleven. So good selection of minifigures. And yeah. then uh, the ship no, itself. No. Uh, ooh, the Nick Nolte character. I always forget his name. Yeah, isn't that a shame? There hasn't been a Queel. Queel, there you go. Uh, minifigure. I'm actually hunting a smaller uh, Lego set now that came out recently that's like um, when all the the Mandos come to the rescue in episode three. They've mm -hmm. got like one of the smaller sets that just comes with a bunch of different Mandalorian minifigures. Looking all over for that thing. Gotta get my hands on that. The t-shirt in this lineup of all those Mandalorian helmets is pretty sick. Oh yeah. The one that, well, it's, it's not just Mandalorian helmets. It's also clone helmets too. Is it? Yeah. Right. Unless we're looking at two different t-shirts. It's the it's fifth sun one. That's blue. Yeah. The fifth sun one that's blue. Yeah. Oh, you're right. It's stormtrooper stuff. Clone For troopers. Reason, and troopers. also I believe Bo-Katan and, yeah, it's it's more of like a Clone Wars centric shirt than anything. It is, it is. But I focus cool. mainly on the Mandalorian stuff. Um, Build a Bear, Baby Yoda, Mattel, Baby Yoda, Ruby's costume, Baby Yoda costume, holding like the the soup bowl. Yeah, which is a really good costume, by the way. Um. Yeah, you know, that's about it. And they say that there's more to be revealed as toy fair goes i will be keenly interested to see what hot toys brings to the table they typically have a reveal or two um at toy fair and you know with this big clone wars push i could think of some pretty awesome figures they could do if they were so inclined um Figures that people would probably be pretty excited about. So, Oh, yeah. I'll be keeping an eye on the He-Man of things, seeing what they're doing. You know they're bringing G.I. Joe back? I did not know that. I knew they were making a new He-Man movie and that Mark Hamill is Skeletor. No. That, 
That's not a no. movie. That's a show. That's an animated oh, okay. show that Kevin Smith is doing. I thought it was a movie, but I'm glad it's kind of cool that it's a show. Yeah, I think it's more of like a mini series type thing. Netflix actually has two different Masters of the Universe animated shows coming. Uh, the one that R- Kevin Smith is doing, which I think is called Revelations or something like that. And like you said, it picks up right after the show, the animated right. show from the 80s. Yes. And it's got Mark Hamill as uh, Skeletor. Jason Mewes is going to be Stinkor. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of big names as voice talent in this. Yeah, yeah. They, I, I, I was pretty impressed with the cast list. Uh, and then they have another show, another Master of the Universe, um, I guess sort of like a reboot animated show that's going to be new from the beginning, right? And yeah. then the rumor is that the eventual movie, the live-action movie, is also going to be on Netflix. So Netflix might be leaning hard into the Masters of the Universe business here in the next few years. Um, yeah. And they're bringing G.I. Joe back in a like, six-inch scale. So like Marvel Legends, Star Wars Black Series scale. Okay. Which probably makes the most sense considering... Uh, you know, that's more sort of collector focused, that scale of yeah. figures. And G.I. Joe is so nostalgic for a certain age of toy collectors. I think that has a chance of doing pretty well. I agree. I wonder if they'll do any auxiliary material, like another animated show or something. I don't know. That would be cool. I don't know about that, but they, they're filming a new G.I. Joe movie right now. Are they really? It's Does a, it is it a reboot or is it tied to the other? Two? No, it's it's uh, it's a reboot and it's solely focused on Snake Eyes. Well, he's the most popular character. Yeah, makes a lot I of mean, sense. Just... <clears throat> so, we'll see how that goes. And the Transformers, like they they kind of rebooted with Bumblebee, right? Like, and that didn't do as great, but it's a really good movie. That was a good movie. I don't know. Um, I mean. It's hard to say the the timeline and the continuity of all those Transformers movies are a little screwy, um, but I have to imagine that that's something we'll see pop back up. In fact, well, I feel like there were some rumors about that not too long ago. At the end of the movie, he rides off with Optimus Prime, you know, into the sunset. Um, but yeah, uh. Man, I hit a pothole. Damn. Like real hard hit a pothole. Mm. Blew a tire. Um but yeah. Threw an through an axle. <laughs> we'll see. Well we shall see. We shall see what comes up with Toy Fair with Clone Wars, how that first episode I gotta say they've they put out a trailer for the first arc for the Bad Batch arc. It got me pretty excited, and something about the animation style looks real good. Uh, I've always been of the mind that Clone Wars was the best looking of the animated series so far. Yeah, I um, have to agree with that. And this, from the little clips and stuff that they've shown, this looks to be an extension of that. So hopefully. Uh, that'll be really well received and be sort of a talking point uh, amongst the fandom or whatever. And they consider to continue on with that 
quality uh, with whatever they do next in animation. Hopefully. That's what they do, because... I think I saw a Clone Wars Vader, or maybe it was a Rebels Vader figure somewhere in a Barnes & Noble, and he had eyebrows. And that stuck out to me, because I know that George Lucas digitally removed the eyebrows from Sebastian Shaw in Return of the Jedi, but when we saw... Um, that him when we saw Vader and Ahsoka go at it and it cracked his helmet or whatever, like it sh- he had eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, I remember. You can probably actually hear me bitching about it in that <laughs> when we reviewed that episode. I remember I was bitching about it too. We were kind of like, why would you go to all the trouble to remove his eyebrows and then let him have eyebrows? Right. Granted, but, and then we were like, maybe it's you know for facial expression, but Asajj Ventress didn't have eyebrows. Um, now George Lucas is the one who went through or, ha- or had That's people true. go through all the trouble to remove the eyebrows and he didn't have anything to do with rebels, but still like, it's such a well-known thing. Well, I guess that's sort of well-known that one of the special edition changes they made to return of the Jedi was getting rid of poor Sebastian Shaw's eyebrows. Uh, you would think they would at least take that into consideration. Uh, yeah, that, I would say that would have to be a Rebels Vader figure you saw. I never realized they did one that was like busted open, though, that you could see his face in and see those yeah, eyebrows. Yeah, the helmet was removable. Interesting. That's cool. You ever go or, into like... Or the head was swappable, one or the other. Either the head was swappable or the helmet was removable. I saw the head with the eyebrows on it. I like going into Barnes and Noble and looking at like the uh, the Japanese section, the toys. There were like... two of those too at that same store. This was actually in Starkville. This was at the Cullisway Depot. Um, oh, like the campus bookstore. Yeah, Barnes and Noble. <clears throat> There's a lot of. I mean, I guess it's because it's a college, but there was a lot of anime and manga mm-hmm. and, and graphic novels, and you know. There's always a lot of that in Barnes and Noble anyway, but back in my day, when I was at school there, they didn't have none of that crap. Like, you know, it was basically textbooks, pencils and paint, you know, office supplies, and then the bottom was like a gift shop area. Well, you know, it's one of those things that's like, um, <clears throat> well, you know, when I was at State, that Barnes and Noble wasn't there. I remember, I it wasn't there when I started. When yeah. I started at Mississippi State, the union was the old union yep. with like uh with like the super stairs mm-hmm. and the like sort of cafeteria with all the oh restaurants and stuff in it. Like the food court. Yeah, the food court. It still has one, but it's on the bottom level now instead of the second level. And then the bookstore was just a small little campus bookstore. In the basement of that building. And do you remember oh I remember the fucking jackpot of selling your books back. Yes. Oh, going to sell your books back at the end of the semester and being like, I got $200 out of nowhere. It, I would be so pissed off because it was like $1,500 worth of books. Right. And I got $200 back. Right. It's like, like trading a game into GameStop, but still. I was like, fuck y'all. Fuck every single one of y'all selling me this book and being like having to buy the new book because there wasn't a used book available for me. 
<laughs> and then I figured out I could go to the off-campus bookmark and just bypass this whole racket. And probably just order them all off of Amazon now for way cheaper. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alrighty. That might do it for Star Wars news. I feel like I'm forgetting something at least somewhat important. Oh, so um, Disney Plus launches in some European territories next month. And I guess on the 5th, they're going to have like a big press event uh, before the launch. And uh, there's a possibility that they'll be revealing some new shows and stuff there. Just like with the earnings call, I don't know that it's anything that Star Wars fans should get too excited for. They may have a little information on season two of The Mandalorian. But considering they're still in the process of getting fucking Obi-Wan and Cassian off the ground, I don't know that we should expect any huge announcements on the Star Wars front there. Yeah. But something to keep in mind. I believe it's March 5th that that's going down. <clears throat> All right. You want to... Jump into some voicemails and some emails. Definitely. All right. Kia D. Kia D. Kia D. Cockhead. The only Jedi master who can crash box. Kia D. Cockhead. Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kia D. Cockhead! To stroke his cone and suck on his balls, Kitty! Cockhead! What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be plumping spooge tomorrow! Cockhead! Lou Herb! Cockhead! Hansberger! Cockhead! Will Witt! Cockhead! Goose Paint! Cockhead! G Money! Cockhead! King Tom! All right. Well, first up, you know who we hear from. It's King Tom. Hey there, Haas and Will. Got a few things I wanted to address this week. The first is is for Will. I, I love this week's episode of Cooking with Chef Will. I love to grill. I could cook almost anything over a fire outside and and love it. So thank you for bringing that, giving us some recipes I know I'll be trying out this summer. I did have a question for you. I don't want to sound like a jackass here, but have you ever heard of or used a chimney starter? I started using them a, a while back, and it completely changed the way I grill because you don't need to build a perfect pyramid out of charcoal and newspaper. You don't even need lighter fluid. You just put the charcoal in the top, wad it up newspaper in the bottom, light it. 20 minutes later, you have the perfect coals ready to go. But anyway, I love the episode. Thank you for all of the cooking tips you're sharing. Everything else I want to talk about uh, relates to Jim's voicemail from last week. I definitely think that Ray's lightsaber is double-bladed. Even though, and granted, we really haven't seen that much of it, it appears to have a shorter hilt than the other lightsabers we've seen, particularly the double-bladed ones. But just looking at Ray's fighting style, how she, she uses that staff, and how she uses a lot of, of backhand, you know, thrusting and parring, I don't know the terms. I just feel like 
she would use a double-bladed lightsaber if she could. And I wish that someone who knows more about the art of sword fighting than I do, and I know nothing other than, you know, don't let it chop a limb off. But I wish someone, because I feel like there is some importance here about how Rey uses, especially in The Rise of Skywalker, a lot of reverse or backhand thrusts with her lightsaber. I just, I just think there's something to be said there. My other comment is about, because I think it's great that they designed her saber based, design based on her staff. But I got to tell you, her staff in The Rise of Skywalker kind of bugged me. I didn't like the whole, I mean, I could kind of see it, but then at the same time, I feel like Rey completely deserves Luke's lightsaber. And I don't like, I know they wanted to use the footage of Carrie holding and handing off the saber, but the idea that she had to earn it, she's already earned it. And then just to have her lug around not only the saber, but also that staff the whole movie. The only time she uses the staff in The Rise of Skywalker is when Zori's gang attacks. And she spends more time in the movie throwing the thing over her shoulder to carry it someplace else than she actually does using it. So, I don't know, it's just kind of, you know, I don't, don't, don't hate it. It's just like, why, JJ? Why? Anyway... Thanks for listening. Thanks for a great podcast, and I will talk with you later. So what's this about a chimney starter, Will? Have you ever used one of those? I have. Yeah, they're really handy. I mean, like you said, it, it, it makes you the perfect coals. I just don't have a chimney starter. I haven't really gotten one, but uh, if you're going to charcoal grill, it's like a, <clears throat> excuse me, if you know what a rocket rocket stove is, kind of, it's almost the concept of a rocket stove, and then it just you know, you get your calls to where you want them, dump them in the grill, and then go. So, as far as the double-bladed lightsaber, something that stuck out to me, and it, it just so happened I was looking through my Tales of the Jedi omnibus over the weekend, and, you know, that's, as far as I remember, the debut of a double-bladed lightsaber. Exar Kun had one, right? Yes. And if you look at his, his is short-handled. It's not long like Darth Maul's. Now, Darth Maul having the longer hilt for a double-bladed lightsaber definitely makes more sense because you have more room. Space to grab onto. Exactly. But And it's possible that Darth Maul's, well, I mean, when we saw it, it got cut in half and half of it still worked, right? Yeah, it definitely splits into two. It Yeah, it, it split into two, you know what I mean? Yeah, and but what I'm saying is like the the concept, at least within Star Wars, at some point of a double bladed lightsaber that doesn't have such a long hilt is something that's exists been around. already, right? Uh, I I'll tell you what, I agree with King Tom about that that line that Ray says in the Force Awakens, where she's like, "Someday I'll learn, I'll earn your brother's lightsaber." I agree with him. I feel like Ray earned that lightsaber the minute it came to her in The Force Awakens. Yeah. To me, that is... So, I, I you know, I guess you could kind of... The, the way I have explained it away in my head to where it doesn't bother me as much as it's just showing you Rey's mindset at the start of the movie. That she's struggling to connect to the Force. She's having the problem, like, communing with the the Jedi of the past or whatever. And, you know, she's got all these weird visions going on and stuff. So that's why she feels that way. But they also seem like they make it pretty clear that Leia doesn't feel that way. Right. 
Like, yeah. So <clears throat> that's definitely one thing. Um, I agree with Tom. Get rid of the staff, though. Who needs a staff? You got a lightsaber. You know, maybe it makes sense on a place like Kajimi where you're running around and you're trying not to be noticed. And using a lightsaber definitely brings a lot of attention to you. But still, come on, ditch the staff. I know you've had it forever, but you got a lightsaber. Yeah, right. Um, I don't know. JJ's just a real big fan of that staff, I guess. It's like, oh, I've always liked that prop. Well, I guess if he's if she, I guess if he's gonna use it at the end to make her lightsaber, <laughs> she's got to keep it through the whole thing. So you're not like, well, where the hell did the set, that staff come from? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's just a suggestion. That's I didn't thought. think about that. That's not a bad, not a bad point to bring up. All right, let's see. Uh, we got some voicemails. Um, we have someone skyping in. No voicemails. Did somebody try to skype? Pause. In? You there, buddy? Yeah. Can you hear me? Did you lose me? Did I lose you? All right. Well. I couldn't hear you for a second, and then I was like, hello? hello yeah, hello? It, it's, it's been a night of potholes here at Blue Harvest Studios. I had to turn it off and turn it back on again. The old internet router. All right, next up, we got a voicemail. Look, I, ca I can't verify the authenticity of this, but it says it's from Vince Neal. Oh, okay. So maybe we'll be having... having Having a feel good time, big big four zero. Hey, Paul's Burger, this is Vince Neal. Hey, uh, I wanted to say a happy episode two forty, brother. This is actually from uh, Will Wooden. <laughs> so uh, keep on rocking, shout to the devil, and uh, do do some feel good stuff at two four zero. In big, big old two four zero, you man. All right, see you later. Ah, uh, that was pretty good. I don't think there. I mean, I think that was really Vince Neil. That sounded like the real Vince Neil. <laughs> if one of you motherfuckers paid for the real Vince Neil to do a Blue Harvest cameo, like, thank you, but damn, thank you. That is a, a colossal waste of money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, all right. This next one says it's from Dick Van Dyke. Oh my goodness! Hey, uh, Will Wooden, this is Dick, uh, Dick Van Halen. <laughs> hey, uh, I wanted to say uh, happy birthday, brother. This is actually from Paul Burkhart. <laughs> so uh, keep on rocking, show to the devil, and, uh, and uh, do. And do some feel good stuff that oh shit man this isn't dick van halen it's been neil brother can you spare a dime i need the money seriously a dime Whew. What he should do, uh, Vince Neil, <laughs> is every time he does a cameo, he should end it with trying to send people to his Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, he'll call it Kickstarter My Heart. <laughs> pretty, pretty proud of that one. I think we just got a fucking episode title. 
coming in at the last minute. All right. Uh, voicemails, voicemails. Trying to knock out the voicemails. We've got a, I think that may be our last celebrity appearance. Although this one, this one says this is from Robo Halls. So, I don't know, man. It's, it's, we got a weird episode brewing for you guys. We've heard from two, like, at least you could say it's at one point in their lives, A-list celebrities. Yeah. And now I guess we're going to hear from Robo Halls. Hello, balls work hard and wall win. My name is Robo Haas, beard of metal and king of the pegged. I am here to contact one of your moisture farmers. I am looking for the one you call Tracy Moon. I believe that he is spreading misinformation about subliminal messages in your YouTube closed captions. I see nothing wrong with the words that have been chosen by your robot masters. He should be wary of the trouble that he stirs. That is all. This shit is ominous. <laughs> this is some Skynet shit. Um... I guess one why? of uh, one of Elon Musk's rogue AI got out and has decided to listen to our podcast and fuck with us. Well, n- not only has it gotten loose, right, ghost in the machine style, but it has assumed my identity in probably, robot form. Yeah, probably because I'm always talking about how like You're I want to survive after the singularity. Yeah, I'm going to be put into a robot body and shit, and now. It's it's threatening our listeners. I just want to say, uh, Robo Halls, if that is your real name. If that is your name. When you and your robot buddies, uh, you know, form your uprising, just remember who's always been on the side of the robot. Me and your buddy Will. We like robots here at Blue Harvest. You know, just keep that in mind. And if you see me working on an electromagnetic device in my garage, it's nothing personal. I just it's like for to, you, not me. No. I do that for your safety. Yeah, in case other robots rise against you guys, you, you, your group of robots. I'm looking out for you here. Yeah, I'm an ally. Don't don't send the crazy uh, Black Mirror robot dogs after me. A please, a do not. All right. I'm looking, looking, looking. I think we got one more voicemail, and then we're on emails. Hopefully, things turn a little less... Screwy? <laughs> they got real screwy real quick. <laughs> um, okay, this is from Jim. Hey, Haas and Will. I had uh, one quick question. If you could have any land-only vehicle straight out of Star Wars and have it at your house from speeders to AT-ATs, uh, what would you choose? All right, gentlemen. Have a great night. Ignite the green. This is a good question, but it brings to mind what might be a problem for me. Are speeders land-only? Yeah. Could a speeder go over water? Or can you uh, elevate the elevation and almost be a ship? I would think they could go over water, but probably can't fly around in the atmosphere, right? Okay. Uh, it's an easy choice for me. You know what? Jim should... What is Jim's answer? Like, he brings us these questions, and he's never like, you know, f- for me, I want to AT-AT because I want to terrorize my fucking neighborhood. <laughs> Walking around in a big robot dog. 
robot tank. Um, my answer is 100% uh, speeder bike from Return of the Jedi. Yeah, swoop bike. Swoop yeah. bike for me. Yeah, swoop bike, speeder bike. Big fan of both of those. We'd have to figure out like some uh, storage solution from a wheelchair. But otherwise, speeder bike. Land speeder is cool. If we're if we're saying, you know, the Gungan like submarine is pretty fucking neat. Now I know that's not land, but it, if we're saying terrestrial, what's like, a bongo? The bongo, right? The uh, that that shit is neat. It is neat looking. I it like would how... be neat to scoot around underwater on Earth and see what's all down there. Um, oof. find some buried treasure. Yeah, or unearth. Horrors um, in the deep. A megalodon or Cthulhu. No, no. I hate under. You know, I think the bongo looks cool, but you couldn't get me to go in it with you. Old uh, Hawes has some thalassophobia. What is that? I believe it's fear of water and the things you can't see underneath. Well, thank you for putting a name to it. I have thalassophobia. Now I have to look it up to make sure I'm not an idiot. But, uh... <laughs> um,. Oh boy! I wonder if Kleeglar's hover chair counts from Attack of the Clones. Not really a vehicle. It is land only. <laughs> it's definitely land only. We did not see him flying around in the atmosphere in that thing. The lassophobia <laughs> is the intense and persistent fear of the sea or sea travel. Can include fear of large bodies of water, vast emptiness of the sea. Okay. I agree with that assessment. I have been diagnosed. Arachnophobia, phobia. I don't I can't say it's a uh, it's a phobia. I don't I wouldn't say I have the last phobia, but I fear large, you know, bodies. I don't want to swim in the sea. I don't want to dangle my bits in the bath where I can be, you know, water uppercutted from a great white shark that I can't see coming. It's the old great white Hadouken. <laughs> That's how they smash seals, and I probably look like a juicy chubby seal. <laughs> be like, look at that seal. Look at it. Mm. He'd be like, I don't have to eat for a month. Shark would see me, like two sharks, like swimming around below me, like, look at that seal. And then they'd have to do like rock, paper, scissors to see who gets the bad leg. Oh, you're going to need a snack later if you get the bad leg. All a right. shark that tries to eat me is going to call in a buddy. He'd be like, I can't eat all this. Come on, I need some help. I'm usually a solitary predator. <laughs> oh, All right. Next up. Now, this email I overlooked last week, so I'm sorry, buddy. Um, it happens sometimes, especially when you guys are awesome and write in a bunch. This is our, um, our buddy Kim Soakey. From Winnipeg, Manitoba. Good day, eh? This is your number one fan from the frozen city of Winnipeg, Manitoba. It's cold as a tauntaun's feet up here, but we managed to keep getting by. Thanks so much for reading my letter last week. It hit me right in the feels. Oh, no. <laughs> in fact, this letter is about the feels that the tri trilogy ignites in me, and I bet fans everywhere. It's a great time for Star Wars fans. I remember when all I had was Timothy Zahn novels and Kenner action figures to keep my obsession going. 
I have a memory from those dark days that still populates a portion of my mind, and I hope sharing it can free up some brain space for new cock-a-duty speculating. I remember back in an issue of Star Wars Insider, I think, around the time of the special editions were set to come out, reading cock-a-duty speculation that Ben Kenobi was really referred to as Obi-Wan, but it was O-B-1, as in O-B, the number one, in the form of initials, which stands for Original Body One, implying he got cloned and maybe a bunch of other people did too, but he was the OG as the OB1. Why the heck did Uncle George not follow through on that? Will we ever know, I'm sure? This theory makes more sense than a buttload of Django's, if you ask me. Doesn't that make more sense than a buttload of Django's? Then Boba isn't revealed to be the son slash clone of the gil- galaxy's most prolific sperm donor who he finds <laughs> who then finds his dad's head in a lunch pail maybe boba could have been a mandalorian and old original body ben could be a clone daddy you guys remember this rumor or am i having a fever dream while warming up in these tom 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 guts did you agree that this all at least sounds legit or more possible Possibly some early Star Wars seeds that Uncle George let blow in the wind. I, so I have a memory of this theory, but I don't know the source of it. I don't know that it came from Star Wars Insider, but I do remember this as being a theory. I never heard that theory, but again, I wasn't as plugged in to the the fandom as you were at the time. But to me, it sounds plausible of some of those early drafts and the clone heavy stuff. Yeah, I... I don't want to directly attribute it to being anything that was officially ever part of the story or a script or anything, but I do remember this theory. And my memory of this theory is tied to my early days online. So not long before the special editions would have come out. And I remember reading that online on some site at some point. Uh, but I don't remember it being attributed to Star Wars Insider. Even though it could be, I was definitely not reading Star Wars Insider back then, so they could have had a whole issue about it, and I wouldn't know. Um, But as far as I know, what bits I do know about the development of the Phantom Menace and stuff, that was never part of the story. So, who knows? Also, just logistically... If I wanted an obedient soldiering army, legions, you know, just legions to command, to be obedient, I would not want them to potentially be force sensitive because I feel like, I feel like the connection of the force could override their programming and autonomy and encourage rebellion, not necessarily towards master, but towards the whole military, like, You would see waves of Obi-Wan clothes going AWOL to do their own thing, realizing they have their own autonomy. Yeah. I wonder if any point the concept of the Clone Wars was cloned Jedi. Like, I mean, at some point in between first mentioning the Clone Wars in 1977 and, you know, finally bringing out the Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones when we actually see what the Clone Wars were. I wonder if that concept was ever in George's mind. Um I wonder I if it was ever in Palpatine's mind. Cause he 
I mean, we know that he cloned Snoke, right? He had Snoke clones. He sure did. And we sure know a whole lot about that. All right. Uh, <laughs> next up, uh, let me jump to our buddy Brendan. This is what he says. Halls and Will, catching up on your last few episodes, my ears perked up when you were talking about the possibility of Jar Jar appearing in the Obi-Wan series because I had just had a conversation with some friends for how he could be included without being comic relief or annoying the people his character rubbed the wrong way. The Jar Jar interlude in Aftermath was amazing, and seeing him struggle with the part he played in Palpatine's rise and his mistakes got me really thinking about the consequences of his actions in the prequels. Imagine seeing a Jar Jar who actually has serious emotional depth, a formerly happy, childlike person who has an undeniable pain behind their eyes and can barely smile even when reunited with an old friend. The old Jar Jar would see Obi-Wan and overflow with joy. This one might see him and just fall apart from Obi-Wan's perspective. Imagine seeing an old friend at their lowest point and knowing that no matter what you do for them, for the rest of their life, it's just not going to get better. This shit is dark. There's two out of only a handful of people out of the trillions in the galaxy who knew what really happened and who played a role in the birth of a tyrannical empire. That's got to weigh on both of them heavily and color everything about their actions going forward. Imagine going through something traumatic and you don't talk every day with the people who were victims alongside you, but if you saw them after a few years, I'd imagine some pain would resurface. Don't want to bring anyone down, but I feel like a meditation on shared trauma, friendship, and the juxtaposition of consequences and best intentions would give some real depth and gravitas to the Obi-Wan series that the sequel trilogy might have lacked a bit, but the Rogue One started to lean into. Next time I write, I promise it'll be about something more uplifting. Thanks for all the, thanks for all the work you guys put into bringing up a great show, and all the best to you guys and the moisture farmers. I mean, that's... Look, that's definitely a bummer of a concept, but it, in all actuality... Even though the whole Jar Jar being involved in the Obi-Wan series, who knows where that stands anyways with them rewriting and delaying and stuff. But if that were to happen, that's probably a, a very likely approach that they would take. I don't know that they would completely 100% eliminate the humorous elements of Jar Jar. I, I think you would still see a little bit of that in him. Almost kind of how when you saw Yoda in The Last Jedi, you still saw a little streak of that mischievous Yoda that you see in Empire. But it it would definitely, if I had to guess, not lean as heavily into that as, uh, say, the Phantom Menace and stuff did. Okay, I'll start by saying this. Mm -hmm. I would love to see Jar Jar in the Obi-Wan thing. It would be good just to see him, see him doing well. Um. Now I will get real maybe dark and heavy and bring I'll bring the heavy now because I don't think you'll ever see Jar Jar Binks in Star Wars again or even the the Gungan race portrayed basically because of the Gungan speak. I think it has some maybe negative racial connotations with it. And number two, I wouldn't want to see Jar Jar Binks unless it was Ahmad Best. And I don't think you can get Ahmad Best back in that getup ever again. Oh, see, I kind of I kind of feel 
differently about that. Meaning that I feel like you could get him because of this sort of uh, journey he's been on with uh, his talking openly about his struggles, playing the character and the reaction yeah. to the character. If they brought him some fire-ass scripts featuring Jar Jar that he could really sink his teeth into, and I'm telling you right now, like, we are in a different era of Star Wars fandom. The pe way people talk about the prequels today is what I used to dream about during high school and college. You know what I mean? So I think if he were to come back, it could be almost this sort of. Well, there you are. Yeah, I think. Maybe. It... Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh boy. It's like Vince Neal is, is running the boards on this podcast with all technical difficulties we're having. But what I was basically saying, um, I, I see it could almost be sort of like a a nice personal redemption for Ahmed Best in portraying that character. I totally agree. I agree 100%. But we'll see. And like I said, I would love to see that. I would too. Um all right, let me move this along because who knows how long it's going to last. It's like Vince Neal is at your internet provider desk at the switchboard and he is falling asleep or he's drunk passing out and leaning on like the connectivity button or whatever, the pause. <laughs> the pause. I'm, awake. I'm awake, I'm awake. Well, he, he woke up the morning after leaving us those voicemails and he was like, shit. I can't work. I can't let them air those. I gotta fuck with the pot. I gotta like I, I, I gotta figure out a way for to keep those from getting aired. Call government. We gotta shut this down like coast to coast. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I wanted to our buddy, friend of the show, uh, Chris Fresh, got real into Bob Lazar and aliens and shit this week. Oh boy, that's my jam. Yeah, and I, I meant to, I want to send him that old uh, Coast to Coast bit that Tool uses in their song, where the guy- That will uh, make the hair on the back of your yeah. neck stand up. It's creepy. I, you know, there's a good prob probability of it being fake, well, you know, just like a lot of that stuff, but man, whew, it freaks me that, out. that his station lost power and had to switch to generators in the middle of that phone call is what makes it even more terrifying to me. Yeah. Like- the yeah. distress in his voice is obviously, you know, horrifying. But the fact that the show, which hasn't that ha apparently that's never happened in the history of the show, like the entire station lost power. Yeah. Uh, for our Signal listeners, cut. our listeners that don't know, there's this pretty famous segment that happened on Coast to Coast, um, Art Bell with Art Bell or whatever, several years ago, long time ago, where a guy called in claiming to be a former. Area 51 employee and on medical leave, he sat like the panic and his. Vo it makes you feel like either this is legit or this guy is an untapped, amazing Hollywood level actor. It is amazing acting if it's if it's fake, which it and probably you don't is. get into the phone call very far, maybe two or three minutes in, maybe two minutes. It cuts out and he comes back. Art Bell comes back and he's like. We lost power in the middle of that call or whatever. 
And then the guy's saying crazy shit like what we think of what aliens. What we're thinking of, of aliens are actually extra-dimensional extra beings. Yeah. And they're gathering in major population centers and there's going to be something really bad. We need to start, you know... You like hunkering down and avoiding major population centers, all this stuff. And as he gets that part out, and then what the a postscript to this is a couple weeks later, someone called in claiming to be that guy and was like, Hey, look, it was fake. I was playing a joke on you guys, but it does not sound like the same guy. It sounds the voice doesn't sound the same. It's, anyways, I wanted to send that to Chris Fresh since he's been in the mood for a little. The truth is out there lately. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, that's a good one. And Same also, thing with the um, that Bob Lazar documentary that was on Netflix. Uh, the whole thing is just a rehash of his old story. None of that isn't you know necessarily that compelling. The most compelling part of that documentary is that the government raids his job, you know, right after they film that shit, and they talk to him about specifically what was in this conversation that they shut the cameras off and turn their phones off to talk about. Um. And that that coast to coast call ended up being uh, sampled in a tool song. The Fiat Diopiad. Yeah, however you pronounce it, I do not listen to that song. It freaks me out. It's the it one will, tool song yeah. that freaks me out, and so much so that when they put all their albums remastered on iTunes this past summer, you know, I bought all their albums again so I could listen to them on my phone, and I just immediately deleted that song from my phone. Oh, my goodness, really? Because I don't want it just popping up randomly. If I'm on shuffle or something, I don't want to hear it. It can, freaks uh, me it out. It can shake your mental stability if it pops up randomly. Yeah, and I had a real bad trip one time, and that song was involved. So, Oh, my God. Never again. And the other weird thing about it is that that song, the Fiat Bio Piat, is like a real experimental Mm-hmm. piece and it starts with like static and like some it's, real weird it's shit all like static that. and um uh what do you call them synthesizers and danny carey's going fucking ape shit on the drums but it sounds like it's four houses away from your house it's way in the it's all right and next then they creep in with that audio mm-hmm. clip and it it'll freak you out dude yeah it is the last song on my favorite album of all time and i do not listen to it all right. <laughs> Next up, we got a <clears throat> email from our buddy Johnny uh, or May from the uh, Life Debt blog and podcast. Uh, hey, all's and well. Hope all is well. As we found out in the Tales from Vandor book, a certain Han Solo knockoff character has become canon, and I got to do some thinking. If he already has a reputation in the underworld when Han is just starting out, then perhaps he's a f- an older fellow. And then it came to me in a moment of clarity. If we get a solo two and the cast is announced, Sean Bean as Dash Rendar. Keep up the great work. Cheers, Johnny. Wouldn't that mean? That would be cool. uh, Look, bring on the Dash Rendar. I'm ready for it. Dude, I'm down. Bring on Dash Rendar. You can keep keep Shizor on the shelf. We don't need Shizor. Okay. Dude, the, talk about like Dash Rendar to me was so 90s like he to me was a distilled essence of you know Jean-Claude Van Damme and uh, you know Chuck Han Norris Solo. all together you know meets Han Solo meets he, Han Solo I mean, his... and he had, he had like the scruffy beard didn't he yep and, and the shoulder like, pad 
the one shoulder shoulder pad and the blaster strap to his like black tight leggings. It he looked like a who's it? What's the guy's name? Jeff Loeb. He looked like a Jeff Loeb animated character. Isn't that the guy that draws really tiny feet? No, that's uh, what's his name? Old asshole, Rob Liefeld. Liefeld, yes, that's what, what a I meant. Jerk. <clears throat> killer. Does a killer Todd McFarlane impression. But what a jerk. Pockets. Pockets everywhere. Pockets, pockets on every thigh. Pockets, pockets pouches and missing feet. Alrighty. Um next up we've got one from I think we got what, what is this? Two more emails and then we're done. So first up we got a one from our buddy Josh. He says, Hey fellas, loving all the battlefront to talk. These last few weeks figured it was a good time to email you guys and discuss the supremacy resistance era update a little background. I'm a casual gamer that bought an Xbox this fall in anticipation for Jedi fallen order. I hadn't played any online game in years and decided to give battlefront Two a shot long short story. I've been hooked these last couple of months. I think I played fallen order once since I got it. So I have a few questions for you guys. What class do you prefer? Any particular cards or weapons you prefer to use? Generally, assault or specialist for me. Sometimes heavy and close quarters. Haven't played much officer. Um, so for me, we'll, we'll take these bit by bit because he has a couple. Uh, for me, I have been focusing on heavy in recent gameplay. Mainly because I was chasing down an achievement on Xbox for 150 kills with the uh, sentry turret uh, that the the heavy gets. Uh, so I m leveled my heavy up real high um, and got pretty good with him. And now, more recently, I was working on the... Uh, what's the sniper, Will? The specialist? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then I started working on the specialist. Uh, the one that I played the least so far would definitely be the officer. Uh, but I'm sure I'll pick that up at some point. What about you, Will? What what classes do you like to mess around with? I I pepper them all. I uh, I did this thing where I tried you know tried to level them pretty much all evenly. But I ended up gearing more towards the specialist, the assault, and the heavy. With heavy being the one I probably spent the most time in. Mm -hmm. um, I did play a decent amount of officer. The turret's really handy, but he just feels so squishy, and his guns are so hard to use that I ended up using the other ones. Uh, the specialist, it's easy to stay far away and snipe, uh, and that shotgun up close is very handy. It's, it's essential. If you're going to play the specialist, you need that shotgun perk because it really lets you go on a tear up close when people start rushing you. As a heavy, you know, all the different kinds of um, that sentry mode, and any of those are great. That sentry mode really makes the heavy almost, you know, the best guy in the game, in my opinion. Um and then with the assault guy, the grenades, the grenades are so crucial for the assault guy for me. When you're defending a point or you're trying to keep people to get in uh, to your reactor in the last phase of capital supremacy, being heavy and just posting up at the end of a hallway, you can rack up some eliminations there. Uh, my favorite version of the sentry, I can't remember exactly which what it's called what the card is called, but it's the one that it's a little lighter and it uh, initiates a health regen when you pull out the sentry gun. Whew, that's a good one. All right, and then he wonders, 
any preference on new maps? I don't dislike any, but seem to prefer Jakku. Uh, and then he lists them. It's uh, Ajon Kloss or Ajon Kloss, Jakku and Taco Donna. I think Ajon Kloss is my favorite just because I like jungle planets. Like I, th I think graphically it looks pretty cool. Uh, but just like him, I, I don't dislike any of those maps. Yeah, I'm I'm not really map specific. I uh, I like them all. Um, what I just about like the opportunity to kick ass Star Wars? Though. Yeah. Uh, what about reinforcement classes? The first order jet trooper is my go-to. The hover option with the jetpack is a blast. Don't play Sith trooper much, but damn, they seem to kill me quite a bit. Um, I haven't messed around with a lot of the reinforcement classes in the Resistance era yet, but when I do typically go with um, the Sith Trooper or the Resistance Rocket guy with the jetpack. Those are my two go-tos. Now, in Clone Wars era, the Assault Droid or whatever it is that has the, the Vibro Blade, that's my jam. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> what about you for reinforcements? I Chewy, the, uh, the Wookiees. Mm -hmm. The Wookiee is, to me, one of the best ones. I I use the Sith Trooper, too. I tend not to use the Jetpack Troopers just because I, um, I don't know. I just haven't really sunk my time into it yet. I feel like the hover thing makes me a really obvious target. Uh, I'm sure it's really handy if, I, if you know how to use it right. But uh, sometimes, as the Trooper, I have made some jumps that ended up killing me and oh, wasting yeah. all my battle points. So I, you know, I usually go for, like, the Chewy guy. And the Sith Trooper, and uh, oh, and the clone, the clone commander with the double pistols, my favorite by far. Oh, he's cool too. My um, favorite. I generally don't play heroes. How about you guys? Anyone you prefer? I swear I have nightmares of being attacked by those damn BB units. Uh, in the Clone Wars era, Obi Wan all the day, all way, all all the way, and uh, Darth Maul for the. Uh, uh, what what do you no, the not the republic the separatists um and then in the resistance era ray and kylo i haven't gotten a chance to play either of the bb droids because every time i get the battle points somebody's already playing with them and they are murderers those little droids i they feel so overpowered like i know they're probably not it's probably even but they're hard to hit. Like I yeah. literally can't do them damage because they're so fast. They swoop in, kill me, and leave. And like Yoda's quick, and but I can deal him damage still. Like I can, I can actually shoot Yoda. Yeah, I don't know if it's if the uh, if it's a matter of that the <clears throat> the BB units need a little bit of like balance tweaking, or if it's a matter that we're just not used to them, and eventually, you know. They won't be as dangerous because we'll be looking they out for them. They whip my ass. They whip my ass too, buddy. I don't get much time to play the heroes either. I just, you know, I, like you said, by the time I rack up enough battle points, somebody's hogging them all. Uh, Somebody said, who's good with them and got all purple on all the cards is, yep. you know, on like a 30 kill streak. And he says, well, that's all I got. Love the show. A Blue Harvest group night of supremacy some night would be a blast. Thanks, Josh. We'll definitely organize that sometime. Um. It's just a matter of me and Will figuring out a good time to organize with all you guys and then giving you enough of a heads up that we can get it together and get everybody in a big group. But yeah, I'd be down to do that some night. That could be a lot of fun. I agree. 
Alrighty. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> we got a long one to end it out. This is from our buddy Aaron Neal. He says, uh, from Aaron in Louisville. What's good, Blue Harvest? I haven't emailed in since episode 200, which seems like just a few months ago. But while looking for that email for the address again, I discovered last fucking May. Yep. What a year it's been for Star Wars. And really, this first Disney era or phase, for lack of a better term, has seemingly flown by now. So I thought we could play a little game. General questions about favorite or memorable aspects of the films to this point. What film has been the best ship battle of this era? What is the best overall overall battle, if different? Uh, I gotta say, best space battle's gotta be Rogue One, in my opinion. Yeah, probably. Uh, I do like the big ship battle at the end of Rise of Skywalker, but it's so hard to follow at point. There's so much going on. Yeah. Rogue One is so focused, and it has that ballin' shot of the two Star Destroyers getting crunched together and stuff. Um, and then, like, the the Red Leader and Gold Leader cameos and stuff. It's just, yeah. I think, for me, that is the best space battle. Um, and maybe best battle. I really like Poe Dameron at the beginning of Last Jedi up against the... Uh, the Star Destroyer, that shit's really cool too, but I, I still think I got to give it to uh, the Battle of Scarif or the Battle Over Scarif. Agreed. <clears throat> what scene has had the most emotional resonance? Now, this one's a, kind of a tough with tough for me because there's so many, in my opinion. Um, a big one for me is when Rey calls the saber to herself in The Force Awakens and the Force theme starts playing. Yeah. So good. Um, Luke and Yoda in The Last Jedi. So good. Luke's speech to Kylo where he's like, the war has just started. This is not the end. Of the I always fuck up this quote. And he's like, and I will not be The Last Jedi. So good. Han Solo appearing to Kylo. Personally, I really like it. And I think it was really well acted between those two actors. Um, so there's a lot that I find really good i i don't know that i can pick a favorite do you have a favorite of any emotional moments in this first sort of disney era um i mean the the moment when han solo and chewbacca get on the falcon for the first time again and he's like chewy we're home that's pretty emotional for me oh yeah that's good too when han solo dies that's emotional for yeah. me. Oof. Yeah. Um, when, when Kylo Ren, uh, tells Ray that, you know, you, you know, you know, who you are, your parents were nobody, you know, they died in a grave, sold you for drink. Like that hurt her really hard. So that's yeah. kind of emotional for me. Too. Yeah. <clears throat> Which trailer has been the most intriguing asked the most questions. Uh, I think you got to go with the force awakens on that. I agree because I agree. It, it's a, it's a new era. We don't know who any of these characters are, what their connections to anybody are, uh, you know, what state the galaxy's in any of these things. So I think that has to be the one that raised the most questions and had the most like intrigue behind it. Um, did the film deliver on these? I would say so for me yeah. personally. 
I think so. Which film do you feel advanced Star Wars as a film concept? The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. Uh, which film had the most memorable soundtrack? Not the most standout single track, but overall soundtrack. Um, best soundtrack. I'd say The Rise of Skywalker. Really? I was going to go with The Force Awakens simply because it's the one that introduced us to all the new sequel trilogy uh, centric themes like, you know, Ray's theme and the, the resistance theme and the first order theme and stuff. So for me, it's probably the force awakens and probably the one that I've listened to the most is the force awakens soundtrack. Um, lastly, the lightsaber was the best cool last fight involving the best weapon known to cinema. Um, To me, it's probably sort of a tie between, uh, well, no, it's not even a tie. The one that takes the cake for me is the throne room battle in The Last Jedi. Yeah, that's the one that sticks out in my mind. The second one would be like Rey versus Kylo on the ruins of the Death Star. I think that one was really good, but it doesn't hold a candle to the, the throne room to me. Um, all right, here's his answers. Oh, I like that he include these. Uh, so he would say the best uh, battle was the Battle of Scarif. So he lined up with us on that. Most emotional resonant, resonance, Ky, uh, Kylo kills Han or Galen's message to Jen. Um, the Force Awakens teaser was the one he say had the most intrigue. He, however, he says it didn't pay off. No strange dark side figure stalking the woods with a weird lightsaber. Powerful, ominous voice about awakening, endless possibilities, ending in a trilogy of little expansion of story beats and a decent expansion in force powers. Um, which film do you feel advanced Star Wars' film concept? He says Rogue One for its aesthetic and subjects and The Last Jedi for its narrative about the force. Uh, six, which is uh, soundtrack. He says The Force Awakens is the only truly memorable soundtrack in the era, to my opinion. Both The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker are forgettable. Same with Solo and Rogue One. is a solid John Films, John Williams sound-alike, which is good but not memorable. Uh, number seven, Lightsaber. He says, while I would love to nod the Vader scene in Rogue One or Rey versus Kylo in the Forest of the De- or the Death Star, to me this has to be Snoke's throne room. It may be my favorite lightsaber battle of the series. So he lined up with us a lot on those. Yeah. Um. My, cur- my reason for these questions are twofold. I'm generally curious about your opinions, but my- also last week you questioned Rogue One's overall placement in this era in Star Wars film, and it is my belief that for a lot of people, including myself, not only did Rogue One capture a new aesthetic in its boots on the ground and war journalist that Gareth brought, but also had the base space around combat series has maybe seen. It took the dirty space aesthetic from the original Star Wars trilogy and did much more with it. And you can see its influence on a number of projects since from Resistance to The Mandalorian. A lot has been made about reshoots, even more so that Star Wars, Star Wars hating Tony Gilroy touts himself as a savior. But considering the production hell the film rent through with getting leaped up into production doing to Josh Trank and Fett going off the rails by literally doing too many rails and a revised script coming in during shooting and some, I believe, family health issues that keep him from participating in some of the reshoots he wanted to. 
All of this is to say that Rogue One is one of, if not my personal favorite movies of this era, and I have a huge disdain for Gilroy's handling of this entire situation and disappointed in his continued involvement in the franchise. So yeah, ultimately, supremely, and whateverly, fuck that guy. Uh, P.S. A few weeks ago, you mentioned Will left his copy of Final Fantasy VIII at your place and forgot about it. That's probably because that game is trash, especially compared to the rest of the series, at least up to 10 when I stopped playing them. Draw mechanic? No thanks. Uh, Storytelling me I can't use summons because it's making the characters lose themselves, but is a key gameplay mechanic with no actual penalty? Don't even get me started. <coughs> oh my goodness. I'm allergic to uh, hot takes on Final Fantasy VIII, I guess. Don't even get me started on those character halls, lol. Well... I'm here to tell him I agree that Final Fantasy VIII is probably my least favorite Final Fantasy entry. The, um, it's up there. The draw system of magic was so odd. You I'm know, not a fan. Not used to it. And Squall and so angsty. You know, like... I listen to a lot of... Uh, not a lot. I have a few video game podcasts in my rota- rotation now. And they're very good, but a constant theme that I've seemed to come across lately is people saying, like, uh, like talking up Final Fantasy VIII. And I know they put out sort of a remastered version on the <coughs> current generation of consoles. And I imagine one day I will give it a try, but I just don't have positive memories of playing that game from back in the day because of the draw system and because of the way they handled summons. I don't remember the story being awful. Not my story favorite. The story wasn't awful. I mean, the story was pretty good. The characters were pretty good, too. I mean, you know, I, you know, every... An angsty hero is not uncommon in a Japanese RPG, right? Right. Um, but what was the what was the cat guy from 9? Uh, Kate She or whatever you call you say? Yeah. No, no, no. The, the thief, the main character... He oh, had like ears and a tail. From nine, uh, Zidane. Zidane. He yeah. was more positive and upbeat. Yeah. Uh, Titus also more positive and upbeat. Um. I don't know. It was just different. It was very different. Yeah. Like I said, I'm sure one day, with as much as I enjoy the series, I will revisit eight. But I just don't have the greatest personal memories or like fond memories of playing that one from when I was a kid. So. I thought the gun blades were cool. It's a cool concept, and one that was clearly well received because it's been revisited several times in the series. Gun blades have shown up. So, well, <clears throat> I guess that does it for us, buddy. Somehow we got through this one with the technical difficulties and me forgetting topics and shit. We we made it. Look at us. Look at us. All Um, the technical difficulties, and we're still standing. (laughs) You know, figuratively. Uh, If you like our show, you should leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We're only like 18 away from hitting that 200 mark. Uh, It really helps us out. And if you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the... Well, we're limping across home base. At least I am. Um, If you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They're Stoned Cobra, and you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. And next week, man, we're going to have so much stuff to talk about. First episode of Season 7 of The Clone Wars, 
Toy Fair reveals. And what the fuck is this whole Project Luminous thing? I guess we'll find out. But until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us.